0: This is episode 156, and I'm your host, Miguel. Everything you hear in this episode is fair use Creative Commons license.
1: You are listening to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. Expand your mind and keep it love.
2: How many people actually believe in the idea that the way you think has some effect on your life? So, how many people actually woke up this morning and consciously created a future? You know, the biggest reason why people don't do it is because you don't really believe it's true. You see, if you knew on a gut level that it was absolutely true, would you ever miss a day? And would you ever let any thought slip by your awareness that you didn't want to experience? So your brain, according to neuroscience, is organized to reflect everything you know in your life. Your brain is a record of your environment. It's a record, an artifact of your past. So if you believe this then, then does your environment control your thinking? Or does your thinking control your environment? So if you wake up in the morning, and you get out of bed on the same exact side as you did the day before. You shut the alarm clock off with the same finger. You slip into your favorite slippers. You shuffle into the bathroom and you use the toilet like you always do. Then you walk over to the mirror and you look at yourself to remember who you are. Then you get into the shower and you wash yourself in the same routine way. Then you groom yourself to look like everybody expects you to look. Then you go downstairs and you drink coffee out of your favorite mug. Then you drive the work the same way as you did the day before. You see the same people that push the same emotional buttons. You do the exact thing that you know how to do and you memorize and can do so well that you're an expert at. Then you hurry up and rush home so you can hurry up and check your emails. So you could hurry up and go to bed. So you can hurry up and do it all over again. Now, here's my question. Did your brain change at all that day? We could say that you are thinking the same thoughts, performing the same actions that create the same experiences that produce the same emotions, but secretly expecting something to change in your life. So then, as the environment turns on different circuits in your brain, you begin to think equal to your environment. As you see the same people and go to the same places and do the same things at the same time, it's the external environment that's turning on different circuits in your brain, causing you to think equal to everything that you know. And as long as you think equal to everything that's familiar or known to you, what do you keep creating more of? Same life. Now, the quantum law is still applying to you. You're just thinking equal to everything that you know, and you keep creating more of the same to change. To truly change is to think greater than your environment. And every great person in history knew this, whether it was William Wallace or Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King or Queen Elizabeth I or Joan of Arc, they all had a vision. They all had an idea, couldn't see it, couldn't smell it, couldn't taste it, couldn't feel it. But it was alive in their mind. It was so alive in their mind that they began to live as if that reality was actually happening now. So can you believe in a future that you can't see or experience with your senses yet, but you've thought about enough times in your mind that your brain is literally changed to look like the event has already happened? Neuroscience says it's absolutely possible. Now, your personality, your personality creates your personal reality, that's it. It's that simple. And your personality is made up of how you think how you act, and how you feel. So the present personality who's sitting here today, you, has created the present personal reality called your life. Would you agree? Would you also agree, then, if you wanted to create a new personal reality that on a fundamental level you would have to change the thoughts that you are thinking, the behaviors and habits that you're demonstrating, and the emotions that you've memorized that's become part of your identity? And most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and it never works. We have to become somebody else. So, then, as you keep thinking the same thoughts, performing the same actions, and living by the same experiences that produce the same emotions, there's a principle in neuroscience that says nerve cells that fire together wire together. And if you keep repeating the same states of mind and body over and over again, your brain begins to fire in the same sequences, in the same patterns and same combinations. And whenever you make your brain work in a certain way, that's called mind. Mind is the brain in action. So as you remind yourself every day who you think you are, you're causing your brain to fire in the exact same ways. And as they fire and wire in the same patterns over time, the brain moves into a very finite signature and that's called your personality. Now that box in your brain isn't literally a box, but it's the most commonly wired neurologically fired programs that run redundantly because we keep doing the same things over and over again. To change your mind then is to make the brain work in new sequences and new patterns and new combinations to begin to make the brain work differently. And the one ingredient that allows us to do that is knowledge or information. Because every time you learn something new, you make a new connection in your brain. That's what learning is. Learning is forging new connections. Remembering is maintaining or sustaining those connections. So now every time you have a thought you make a chemical and if you have a great thought or an unlimited thought or a joyful thought you turn on a set of circuits in your brain that fires in a very specific sequence pattern and combination that produces a level of mind that turns on another part of the brain that makes a chemical for you to begin to feel exactly the way you were just thinking great or unlimited or joyful Now, if you have a negative thought or an unhappy thought or a self-depreciating thought, you turn on a different set of circuits and a different combination, a different sequence and a different pattern that produces a different level of mind. And the brain then begins to make a different batch of chemicals that signals the body for you to begin to feel exactly the way you were just thinking. Negative or unhappy or unworthy. So the moment you begin to feel the way you think because the brain is in constant communication with your body, you begin to think the way you feel, which makes more chemicals for you to feel the way you think. And then you think the way you feel, and then you feel the way you think, and then you think the way you feel. And some people do this for 20 or 30 or 40 years. Now the redundancy of that cycle over time creates what I call a state of being. And a state of being is when your mind and body are working together or your thoughts and feelings are aligned to a concept. So thoughts are the language of the brain, and feelings are the language of the body. And as people get caught in this cycle of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking, over time, they condition their body to memorize that emotion as well as the conscious mind. And whenever the body knows as well as the mind, that's called a habit. A habit is when your body is the mind. Now 95% of who you are by the time you're 35 years old is a set of memorized behaviors, set of emotional reactions, beliefs, perceptions, attitudes that run just like a computer program. So 5% of your conscious mind begins to work against 95% of what you've memorized. So the person wants to think positively, but they're feeling negatively. They want to create their dream board, you know, and put up their future life, but they feel unworthy. That's mind and body in opposition. We have to recondition the body to a new mind. So, how many people know someone who's memorized suffering? And you say to that person, Hey, did you read the book I gave you? What do they say? No. Hey, listen, we're going to go out to dinner. We're going to go see some stand up comedy. We're going to go for a walk along the water. You want to come? No. What do they say? I'm insisting on this neurochemical order that no person, no thing, no experience can move us from it. And we have these three brains to allow us to move into a new state of being and the quantum field, universal mind, whatever you want to call it, responds to who you're being, not what you're thinking, not what you're feeling, but the combination of how you're thinking and how you're feeling called a state of being. Now most people wait for what? Crisis or trauma or disease or loss or, or a diagnosis to really want to change. They wait to the point where the ego is brought to such a low level that they cannot go on business as usual any longer. That's when we begin to look at how we're thinking or what we believe or how we act or our attitude or what emotions we're living by. And my message is why wait we can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering, which tends to be the human model. Or we can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration. Yo, yo, we on a conquest, a Scroll my ghost dogs
0: that climb fences. Hey yo, check this, license in place state Texas. White Lexus, my diamond necklace. Got me living reckless. Got me wiping cats out on my shitless. I'm on with the three six so my queen flow. Six point triple zero. Black mafia mind the Nero. In my hood, I'm a hero. Ooh, yeah, I'm
1: the eighty-one short chapters known as the Tao Te Ching have been translated more often than any other book in the world, with the single exception of the Bible. Like the Bible, the Tao Te Ching is a book whose appeal is as broad as its meaning is deep. It speaks to each of us at our own level of understanding, while inviting us to search for levels of insight and experience that are not yet within our comprehension. As with every text that deserves to be called sacred, it is a half-silvered mirror. To read it is not only to see ourselves as we are, but to glimpse a greatness extending far beyond our knowledge of ourselves and the universe we live in. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. These words are among the most famous in all the literature of the world. They were first offered, however, not to modern Western people like ourselves who, approaching the 21st century, are ready to admit that we have given too much place to discursive thought and rationalism. They were spoken some 2,500 years ago to a people and in a place, ancient China, far, far removed from us. Any work of art that communicates so enduringly over such enormous reaches of time and cultural diversity addresses we may be sure the essence of human nature and the human condition, rather than socio-cultural aspects that are peculiar to this or that society. The Tao Te Ching deals with what is permanent in us. It speaks of a possible inner greatness and an equally possible inner failure, which are both indelibly written into our very structure as human beings. Under its gaze we are not American or Chinese, or European, we are that being, man, uniquely called to occupy a precise place in the cosmic order, no matter where or in what era we live. The Tao Te Ching is thus a work of metaphysical psychology, taking us far beyond the social or biological factors that have been the main concern of modern psychology. It helps us to see how the fundamental forces of the cosmos itself are mirrored in our own individual inner structure, and it invites us to try to live in direct relationship to all these forces. To see truly and to live fully, this is what it means to be authentically human. But it is extremely challenging and this challenge was apparently as difficult for the men and women of ancient China as it is for us. We, too, try in vain to live full lives without understanding what it means to see. We, too, presume to act, to do, to create, without opening ourselves to a vision of ultimate reality. This opening and the way to experience it are what the Tao Te Ching is about. Historical information about the text and its author is scant and cloaked in legend. Even the little information we have is at every point subject to dispute by scholars, although many are willing to accept that Laozi was a real person born in what is now known as the Honan province in China some six centuries before the Christian era. Tradition has it that Confucius once journeyed to see Laozi and came away amazed and in awe of the man. According to the tale, Confucius described his meeting with Lao Tzu in the following way. I know a bird can fly, a fish can swim, an animal can run. For that which runs, a net can be made. For that which swims, a line can be made. For that which flies, a corded arrow can be made. But the dragon's ascent into heaven on the wind and the clouds is something which is beyond my knowledge. Today I have seen Lao Tzu, and he is a dragon. The tale also tells that Lao Tzu was the keeper of the imperial archives at the ancient capital of Luoyang. Seeing the imminent decay of the society he lived in, he resolved to ride away alone into the desert, but at the Hankou Pass... He was stopped by a gatekeeper named Yin Shi, who knew of his reputation for wisdom, and who begged him to set down in writing the essence of his teaching. Thus, the legend tells us, the Tao Te Ching came into being. Legend aside, there is no doubt about the immense importance of this text in the history of China and the Orient. The figure of Lao Tzu and his writings are revered by followers of the Taoist religion, and the message of the Tao Te Ching has been one of the major underlying influences in Chinese thought and culture for more than 2,000 years. Throughout the world, when one thinks of the greatest spiritual figures in the history of mankind, Lao Tzu is placed alongside Christ, Gautama Buddha, Moses, and Muhammad. Some remarks about the language of this work may be of help at this point. The word Dao has been characterized as untranslatable by nearly every modern scholar. But this statement should not lead us to imagine that the meaning of the Dao was any more easily understood by the contemporaries of Lao Tzu. It would be more to the point to say, only half-jokingly, that the word Dao and even the whole of the Tao Te Ching is not readily translatable into any language, including Chinese. My words are easy to understand and easy to perform, wrote Lao Tzu, yet no man under heaven knows them or practices them. The present translation generally leaves the word Tao in Chinese. Those who have sought an equivalent in Western languages have almost invariably settled on way or path. Metaphysically, the term Tao refers to the way things are. Psychologically, it refers to the way human nature is constituted, the deep, dynamic structure of our being. Ethically, it means the way human beings must conduct themselves with others. Spiritually, it refers to the guidance that is offered to us, the methods of searching for the truth that have been handed down by the great sages of the past, the way of inner work. Yet all these meanings of Tao are ultimately one. In this work, we are offered a vision that relates the flowing structure of the universe to the structure of our individual nature, both in itself and as it manifests itself in the details of our everyday actions in the world. No linguistic or philosophic analysis of this word can ever capture its essential meaning, because what is being referred to is an experience that can only be understood at the moment it is tasted with the whole of our being, simultaneously sensed, felt, and thought. And because this way of experiencing is entirely different from the way almost all of us act and think and feel in our usual lives. To say that the realization of metaphysical truth lies in the opposite direction from the way we usually experience our lives is not to say that a different method of thinking or experiencing is required. What is at issue is nothing less than the activation of an entirely new power within us, an entirely new movement of consciousness. The point is that man is built to receive, contain, and transform this power, and then to make his life a complete expression of it. Nothing else can bring ultimate fulfillment into human life, and yet our lives are lived with little awareness or contact with this force of consciousness. We work, we love, we struggle, we eat, sleep, and dream, we write books and create art, we even worship our gods closed off from it. This is why every sacred teaching in the history of mankind begins as a revolution, incomprehensible, paradoxical, mysterious, whether it be the gnomic teaching of Lao Tzu, whoever he was and if he was, or the profoundly troubling doctrine of unknowing brought by Socrates, or the exalted hidden God speaking through Moses and the prophets of Israel, or the shattering sacrifice of love transmitted by Jesus, every sacred teaching remains sacred only as long as it opens a path that has never before been opened, and yet always exists and must always exist for humanity. Look, it cannot be seen. It is beyond form. Listen, it cannot be heard. It is beyond sound. Grasp, it cannot be held. It is intangible. It is called indefinable and beyond imagination. Stand before it and there is no beginning. Follow it, and there is no end. Stay with the ancient Tao. Move with the present.
0: So you just listened to a clip from a Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's an author, speaker, and just all-around badass dude. I highly recommend you go check him out online. He's on YouTube and all over. Check out his books, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Then there was a little clip there, a little uh, flavor there from the movie Ghost Dog starring Forrest Whitaker. Just a little scene there where there was freestyling in the park. Little clip. And then there is a clip from, actually that's from my episode 46, which was a reading of the Tao Te Ching. I cannot find this reading of the Tao Te Ching on YouTube anymore. I guess it's been taken down or whatever. You know how the climate is right now. But on my episode 46, you hear the reading of the Tao De Ching and the commentary by this. The clip that you just heard now is the commentary. And the same gentleman reads the Tao Te Ching. And he's. It's, it's a great rendition, a great reading. And I listen to it all the time and have been for a long time. But it's gone. It seems to be gone off YouTube, but I have it on my episode 46. So how's that? And, and it's so strong. I mean, I actually. I'm putting this commentary. About the Dai De Ching on this episode, you know, not even the Dao. His commentary, I mean, that's how much weight I put to it and how much value because he breaks it down. And it's interesting; he breaks it down in a way that the East, the uh, Eastern thought, can be transfigured and translated over to the English Western thinking, and he does that beautifully in a way that uh, not a lot of people can do. So, in the first clip, uh, Doctor Joe, Doctor Joe Dispenza. Is telling us on how we need to live that fulfilled life and that happy life and how much the subconscious mind impacts everything that we do because we're pushing it down. It's shadow, you know, Jung, Jungian, Carl Jung type shadow stuff work that we have to do because you don't want to really tuck things away. Everything wants to be brought up to the light so that it could be sorted through and assessed to see what is usable and what can f- fill what position, you know, but when, you have, when you're running on 95% subconscious, which a lot of people do, leads least some very bad things because you're, at that point you're only making 5% of conscious choices or decisions or awareness of the moment that you're in. And 95% of that program is a script that's running. And we all see the results of it today, the way things are, are, are running and a lot of people that you speak to. So, yeah, that's Dr. Joe Dispenza. The other one, as I said, was a uh, uh, commentary under Dao De Ching. Which is really fitting for today, and it's important. I, and I did it on purpose. Put these two separate clips on because each one is kind of an interpretation of the same theme from different sides of the spectrum, you know. And the Dow. Many times, you know, it's funny. A lot of commentary that I get, and people that are new subscribers will mention they were searching for the either Joe Rogan or the Dow, and that's how they find me. I don't I don't know how that works exactly. You know, the tags and such, the meta tags. But the Tao, like I said, it doesn't ex- tell you anything. It'll explain everything to you and tell you nothing at the same time. That's why it's such a profound and, 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 and really amazing, amazing work of, of, of literature, the Tao Te Ching. So... It's important. Like I said, that translation, man, of episode 46, I don't see it. If You you might want to try something out. Go on YouTube or go online and try to find that same speaker. He has a very distinctive voice. See if you could find that. And uh, like I said, I've been searching for a while and I couldn't how had to delve back into my archives to find it. So, it's really the thought. It's like the first opening words of the Dharmapada is the Buddhist states. And, and the Dharmapada is the only book. That's purely Buddha's words. Most Buddhist books are like volumes and volumes of stuff speaking about Buddha and what their belief is and the system and everything like that. But the Dharma Pad is the only book that's actually his words. And the opening of that book is... The Buddha says, all that we are is what we think. And that states it all right there. You know, your perception. People just... Uh, Another thing is people just don't know how to handle their own garbage, I guess you can put it, like they'll have issues and things troubling them, life isn't perfect man, it's a struggle, and we go through a lot of shit, you know, work and social and educational and career and family and so many different things that we have to deal with, but they don't know how to deal with their own garbage or their own failures or their own trip ups or their own issues that they don't know how to fit into a neat little cubbyhole, and that's what life is all about. Is recognizing the struggle within life, you know, and proceeding accordingly, you know. So, couple of clips here. It's a little bit of a short um, episode this week, you know. It's been a little hectic for me. I've been, again, as always, I'm busy and going nutty and stuff over here, working hard. But wanted to bring this out, this episode out, and uh, you know, I still got them hoodies, man. So. Check me, you know, if you're on iTunes, give me a five-star review. That'd be really nice. If not, uh, yeah, just shoot me an email. Let me know what's going on and what you think of the show. Give me a little feedback. We can go from there. So I really do want to thank you for listening, and namaste. and the beta sheeple narrative my email address is alpha male Buddhist at gmail.com my website is alpha male Buddhist dot pod dot com my Instagram is alpha male Buddhist and check out my YouTube channel alpha male Buddhist and that's on YouTube it is the podcast accompanied with video clips